Do you notice something wrong in the world today? Can you feel it? Are you ready for it? More importantly, do you know Christ? Ezekiel 33.3 He sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Welcome to the podcast. Introducing your host, Jason Hogan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Hogan, and I'm pleased to bring you our pilot podcast episode. I actually had the idea of creating a series just like this years ago, but I delayed the launch by about three years. And the reason why was because my heart just wasn't in the right place. I actually knew this after reading 1 Timothy chapter 3. I just want to quickly read that chapter so you can see why I delayed launching my service. This is titled 1 Timothy 3, Qualifications for Overseers. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. This last piece here, I'll read that again. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit, and fall into the condemnation of the devil. That one really stood out to me. I started to realize that as I was about to launch my service, it was too self-centered. I was noticing instead of Christ being the center, I was making myself the center. And after seeing too many YouTube channels, too many pastors, too many ministries that were doing something very similar, I knew that my name wasn't supposed to be lit up in lights. This isn't a platform for me to become famous. This is a platform for me to promote the Son of God. So this is why I had to delay. It took me a couple years to restructure my whole website, remake all my content because I was noticing it was too personally driven. Now, before I get started, let me answer a question that may not be obvious to some of our listeners, which is, what is Ezekiel 33.3? I'll start with where did the name come from? Ezekiel 33.3 is referencing a book, a chapter and a verse in the Old Testament attributed to the prophet Ezekiel. To help everyone get on the same page, I'll read that chapter, book, and verse. Ezekiel 33.3 reads, And he sees the sword coming against the land 
and blows the trumpet to warn the people. This chapter is dealing with Ezekiel as watchman over his people. To use a metaphor, Ezekiel was like a canary in the coal mine. His purpose was to warn the people that trouble was coming, which was a common role for many of God's prophets. Ezekiel was to tell the people that danger was on its way, and for them to repent of their ways. For our viewers that are not familiar with the Old Testament, God's people had a history of following God as well as following false gods all throughout the Old Testament. This wasn't something that occurred merely once, but many times throughout the writings. And at one point, God even divorces his people, which you can read about in Jeremiah chapter 3. The watchman Ezekiel was required to let the people know that they had to turn away from their iniquities, from their wickedness, and turn back to God. If Ezekiel failed to do this, he was accountable for their blood. However, if Ezekiel gave the warning, then the blood was on their own heads. If you are wondering why I chose this particular verse for this Christian service, it is because I can see history is repeating itself, and I offer you, the listener, as well as the world at large, the same message, which is repent to God. Let me clarify for everyone what repentance is, because I'm sure a lot of you don't really know, and some might think they do, but you find that you really didn't. Repent comes from the Greek word metoneia. You can find this word within Strong's Concordance, which is a kind of Bible dictionary. The repent the Greeks were speaking of meant to change your mind or change the inner man, meaning your thoughts. There is a root word behind metanoia, which is metanoio, meaning to change one's mind or purpose. This doesn't mean that you go into a church confessional, like you might have seen in the Catholic Church, and confess your sins to a priest. This means that you confess to God your wrongdoings, as defined by the Ten Commandments, and then you change who you are according to God's will. God doesn't want to see any of us living like a debased organism or some kind of a beast. God wants to see you living at your full potential, which isn't possible if you aren't striving to keep the law that was handed down to Moses. For those of you who are familiar with the Ten Commandments, this probably isn't going to be anything new for you. But for those who aren't familiar, I'm going to state them for the viewers that don't know. But before I do that, I'm going to say this. When you don't know God, the first four won't be so intuitive, but the last six are going to be common sense to anyone residing on this planet. So let's start with the first four. Thou shall not have any other gods before me. Number one. Thou shall not make unto thee any graven images. So we're talking idols here. We're talking objects, statues, Ouija boards, the earth, the trees, the rocks, crystals. These are all parts of the creation. These are items made by God, but they are inanimate. They're lifeless, not something to pray to or worship. Number three, thou shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. People stub their toe and scream the Lord's name in vain, or even when they get scared. My question is, how did we ever associate fear and pain with God? Isn't that kind of strange? You would think evil runs the world the way everyone has been pretty much programmed to do it so naturally. Now here's number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now the Sabbath is a tough one for many, and we'll go into that further on another occasion. But for now... I will just say that we first see the Sabbath or day of rest mentioned in Genesis, also in Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11. Now that we have the tough ones out of the way, 
Here are the last six, which most people that still have their sanity will not push back on and would likely label this as simply common sense. Number five, honor thy mother and thy father. Number six, thou shall not murder. Number seven, thou shall not commit adultery. Number eight, thou shall not steal. Number nine, thou shall not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Just to clarify, don't lie. Number 10, thou shall not covet. Covet, covet would be like acquiring possessions, materialism. For example, if you were coveting a bunch of money, you were just pursuing and chasing after the almighty dollar. That's coveting. Most people have no issue with the last six, whether or not they believe in a God or they don't. And it doesn't matter what side of the world you come from. Most of us see these ideas as common sense, at least the last six, because we teach our children to often reflect within their actions and to do unto others as you want others to do unto you. What Ezekiel was asking his people was to embrace all 10 of these commands and come back to the God that they had abandoned for things that were not the creator, but created beings and objects which they had been deceived to believe possessed certain powers. The people back then weren't stupid. They were encountering spiritual forces that led them away from God, and it's happening again, as well as this has been going on for centuries. However, it's really reaching a climactic point again. It's really sad that after literally thousands of years of human history, we have tricked ourselves into believing that we are so very advanced and modern, but yet we still lack a consensus across the world in our morals. It's kind of pathetic, actually. While you can sit there holding your smartphone, listening to this media from the other side of the planet through a device the ancients would have thought of as magic, or hop into large machines such as cars and planes that move you across the earth faster than any beast on land or animal, we still haven't devised a pattern of morals and ethics that is cohesive across this vast land that we live. So how advanced could we really be? I think that we may have deluded ourselves into believing we are quite modern because of all of these modern luxuries that surround us, while our morality is a little bit of a caveman, and our morals seem to change over time, which is confusing. While technology can change with all kinds of innovations, does it really make sense that morality should change? If saying do unto others as you would like to have done to yourself, how do you change that exactly? Are we so modern now that lying is pleasant? Are we so advanced in technology that we can disrespect our parents and elders? Are we so superior in our sciences that we can create these gray areas to evade these six simple principles? I would hope not, but the truth is, we are. I hope you can see where I'm going with this, and if you can't, you probably aren't going to like the information that I've come to disseminate. If you want to see a better world than the one that we have, it needs to start with you. I hope all my listeners, regardless of culture, creed, religion, can see the value in the last six ideas I provided, which aren't my ideas at all. They were given to us from God, which is why you can't argue with that kind of perfection. When you take these ideas or commands and apply them to your life, you're going to start to understand what true repentance is. Let me be clear by saying, I am not a prophet. Again, I am not a prophet. I am just a humble servant of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I come offering this service because I want to help, and I can see things that others cannot, 
With this service, I'm going to provide my research, which is a combination of what I have learned from studying the Bible with a fierce appetite, history, science, archaeology, philosophy, and even the occult. I know when I use that word occult, it scares a lot of people. So I'm going to clarify what that means right now. Occult means hidden, which is associated to the eyes and sight. There have been things in this world hidden from the eye, but in many cases, these are hidden right in front of you. Sadly, many of us have gone through life sitting at the children's table with others talking over our heads. It doesn't matter how educated you may think you are. The truth is, people who are quite analytical and some very cynical are hiding information you can't decipher in plain sight and making a fool out of you. In the Bible, there is a verse from the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 16, and it reads, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Many Christians know this verse from the New Testament, but I think you're only reading half of it. If I go into most churches or anywhere that people are meeting with one another, fellowshipping in the name of Christ, I see the innocence of doves, but what is lacking is often the first part of the verse. Be wise as serpents. For those of you who ran away when you heard the word occult, you certainly aren't as wise as serpents, seeing as you fear knowing what the serpent knows. Remember that it was Jesus Christ who was speaking in Matthew 10:16. Christ wasn't saying, put on your wizard's cap and go out there and practice magic. Not by any means. If anything, he said the complete opposite throughout his writings. What Christ was saying was be knowledgeable about what is being hidden. Do I suggest that many of you go out and start reading books by people who identify as occultists? Absolutely not. Some of you will likely find yourself so confused in your faith that we may never see you again on the right path. What I am suggesting is that if one of your brothers or sisters in Christ helps you to decode what is hidden in front of you, be careful not to quickly label them as a black sheep, as different children of God have different gifts. Now, on that particular note, let me segue into this thought. I'm sure whether or not many of you have read the entire way through the Old Testament, many of us at least know the name Moses. We've heard of it. I'm talking about the Moses who received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, sometimes referred to as Mount Horeb. Did you know that Moses was educated in the wisdom of Egypt? If not, Take a look at Acts chapter 7, verse 22, which reads, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Now, while Moses didn't worship the gods of Egypt, he still possessed much wisdom that would have been known by the priests in Egypt. I will also point out that King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 30 reads, Solomon's wisdom was greater than that of all the men of the East, greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. With those verses in mind, I have to ask, what wisdom do you think that was? Could it have overlap with Matthew 10:16 and speaking of wise as serpents? You do realize that in Egyptian artwork, a Uraeus serpent was shown protruding from the front of the head where the pineal gland was located between the eyes? Now, before anyone gets the wrong idea, I would never promote the opening of the third eye. Let me be clear, I would never. I am actually strongly opposed to that practice, and I will be speaking against it as you will see in time. A Christian has no business opening their third eye, and if you've encountered a spiritual teacher that is promoting that practice and trying to parallel off of certain verses of the Bible to make it fit, I would personally avoid 
those teachers, as it will bring you on a path that wasn't intended for the disciples. What I will say, however, is those who have done so gained access to a wealth of knowledge that can be useful, but you have to be very discerning. There is much that can be gathered from those who are discerning, and brothers and sisters, I have prayed countless times for wisdom, more of our Father's Holy Spirit, which has enabled me to comprehend much of what's been hidden directly in front of us, because there's no power of my own. I have videos hosted on my website and YouTube that will help you see what's been hidden with supporting Bible verses so you can just see how real this spiritual war is. I'm tired of seeing all of us being mocked with symbols and blind to symbols. As I provide media exploring the Bible, I will also share what's hidden right in front of you in media, some of which you see every day to make you more awake and come to Christ. Seeing is believing, and by de-occulting these symbols, as well as comparing them to Bible scriptures, you are really going to strengthen your connection to Jesus Christ. I want you all not to just believe in God, but to know Him. I'm certainly not talking about the Gnostic heresy for those of you who might have stumbled on Gnosis. Over time, I will have many pieces outlining the differences between Gnostics and Christians, which is completely incompatible. I will also be quite honest in saying I had participated in an occult order called the Rosicrucian Order. I never made it anywhere. I was just a lowly neophyte, which means new tree. A topic we'll discuss a little bit later over time, but I didn't do any of the initiations because I was very skeptical about everything. As a matter of fact, the concerns I had with the Rosicrucian teachings is what made me begin my walk with Christ very seriously. I could see I was being lied to, and that made the truth much more obvious for me. If I was to describe the Rosicrucian order, I would simply say Christian mysticism. And just to clarify, there is no such thing. Christ spoke very clearly to his disciples, but he also spoke in some parables. But when he did, it was very clear. These different pagan orders labeling themselves as Christian mystics try to make a symbol out of everything. And they certainly don't read the Bible in its entirety, but only in pieces to make it fit their doctrines. While on that path, I met some people with beautiful hearts, but I could not look away from the items that were deceptive in their teachings that completely conflicted with the Bible, and I can't stand for a lie. With that said, if I make a mistake over time, remember, I'm just a man, and I'm bound to make mistakes, but please understand I'm not afraid to admit my mistakes. If you're looking for a perfect person, you won't find one here. Look to Jesus Christ for that, and that's who I try to emulate. My past is nothing short of ridiculous, and over time, I'll provide my testimony. But again, if you're expecting perfection from me, you will not find it. All you will find here is a man that killed the person he used to be and started a serious walk with Christ that he will continue until the end of his life. With that, brothers and sisters, I will conclude this first pilot podcast. I welcome all of you to the show and to join me on this walk. I try my best to carry my cross each day as a servant, and I definitely promote that we keep all of the law to the best of our ability, including the Sabbath. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And I send my blessings in the name of Jesus Christ. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Brothers and sisters, the sword is coming.
If you hear the watchman's call, please repent and seek out Jesus Christ. There is still time. Check out our website at Ezekiel333.com for more podcasts, videos, and powerful articles. That, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow.